It's Rewind the Movies time, and this week we've decided to do Willow, the 1988 adventure film directed by Ron Howard, produced by George Lucas, and starring Warwick Davis, Val Kilner, Gene Marsh, and Billy Barty. Davis plays Willow, a reluctant farmer who plays a critical role in protecting a baby from an evil queen who vows to destroy her and take over the world. The film received mixed reviews from the critics, but it grossed $137 million worldwide from a $35 million budget. Not a bad return at all. And being three Welsh guys who love their films, and one thing we didn't discuss in the actual podcast was, the movie was actually filmed in a quarry within Wales. Anyway, with that link, surely we had to review it at some point. Here are our thoughts on the film. Right, this week we decided to do Willow. Ev, I think it may have been you a pick. Am I right there? I think so, yeah. I'll start, if you don't mind. And I don't have a lot of memories of the film. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I've seen it. Um, I'm definitely aware of um, Warwick, Warwick Davis. Um, but I watched it this time, and there was definitely big parts of the film that I didn't remember. So I obviously haven't seen it in a number of years. Um, I enjoyed it though. Um, it's it's a funny one because we've just come off the back of doing Labyrinth, and I'm not saying it's on the same sort of level, you know, because we we in that particular um, podcast we talked about Labyrinth and Dark Crystal being the same sort of similar film. You know, they were both hence anyway. But I I would class this as that sort of fantasy type film. Um, but like I said, I enjoyed it. I just, yeah, it probably doesn't mean as much to me as it may do to you you guys because you probably have a better history with the film than I do. So, yeah, over to you, Ev. What's your memories of the film? Um, I can remember certain scenes because I saw the trailer so many times when I was a kid. I um, don't know don't know why, but I just I just remember certain certain scenes scenes from the from the trailer. Um, but I think as I think. The first, the first time I watched it was probably on TV. Didn't, didn't think, it's, didn't give this any thought when I was a kid watching it. But this is the first film I've, I've sort of heard of that it get, that it gives people. Well, it has people who have a form of dwarfism as the main cast. That I, 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 I certainly I don't I I can't remember or don't know of any other film that that does that does this. You know, George Lucas, who obviously produced the film. He was really annoyed with the studio because they had um, Val Kilmer as the lead, so to speak, in all the sort of marketing and the billing and things. Um, and he was really cheesed off with it because he, you know, he felt it should have been um, Warwick Davis on there. And Warwick has said himself that George Lucas wrote the film for him, yeah. so to speak, or you know, he specifically had him as the main character. Um, when he, you know he had the thought of yeah, it's off the back of so, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, obviously impressed with him as a, as a young actor then, and you, and you got to remember he's only seventeen when he filmed this. You know, it's it's, it's a lot for such a young person. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Prog? Uh, I I can't remember the first time I watched it, but I do remember watching it quite a lot when I was a kid, um, and I. I know that I always enjoyed it when I was a kid as well, but I haven't watched it 
I'm going to say for at least two decades. So I was when we when we decided to do this one, I was hopeful, but also a little bit fearful as well because I I I I didn't know I didn't have a clue how it was going to turn out when I was watching it. I really didn't. I'll be honest with you both. I have a perception of this film, and I, I, I don't know if it's justified, but I had a perception of this film that I didn't like it. <laughs> right. Do you know when you grow up and you and you know, you think, oh, yeah, I've seen that film, oh, load of rubbish, Willow, why would I want to watch this fantasy film about, you know, trying to save a baby? And, um, and I, yeah, I, I don't think that was justified. You know, I, I watched it this time round, and... Although I'm not going to wax lyrical about the film, I definitely enjoyed it. You know, before we came on air uh, and before ever you joined us, Prog said to me that, you know, he had two enjoyable evenings um, regarding the films that he's just recently watched for the podcast. Mm. And I I'd agree with that. Um, it was probably quite nice that I, there was large um, proportions of the film that I didn't remember. And yeah, so it was nice to sort of Go back and watch. I, I think it's quite good as well that your initial thought process going into the film was that you either didn't like it or you weren't going to like it, but the film turned you round. Or not turned you round, but you come out of the film thinking differently. So I think that's a testament to the film. I'm not going to sit here and say it's flawless because it's not. But I do think the film's ability to change your opinion, as it were, is a positive. Yeah, no, I, I think so. It's, um, like I said, I, I, I wasn't holding out much for the film. Yeah. It, it, it was nice then to actually be entertained for two hours. I will say, at two hours long, I, I think it's probably a little bit too long for a film, for me. Oh, for it's definitely flabby. Yeah, yeah it's um, there's a lot that sort of pads it out. Um, there's plenty of changes, and I'll come to them in, in a moment. But um, yeah, no, it, it, it's good. It's good. And I'll be honest, right? It was Ron Howard is the director, and I hadn't realised that. I was quite shocked that yeah, he was mm. the director. I, I didn't think he became a prominent director until the nineties. And when I look back at what the films he's done, how wrong I was. He well, was it, Splash as well, didn't he? Cocoon, what? Splash, Parenthood, Backdraft. And I know we're going into the 90s with some of them. Mm. But, um, yeah, what a, he's got a cracking um, set of films behind him. Yeah. I, I, I reckon he'd be a good debate on what's his best film. <laughs> well, we won't yeah. get into that now, because that would be our <laughs> hour. <laughs> At least. You know, I think the, the, one, the one thing I've got to say before we start is that there's there's a, there's a very liberal use of the PG certificate for this film, because there's some scenes in, scenes in this which I I wouldn't I would I wouldn't watch watch for kids I suppose. Oh, go on then, elaborate well, on that. Well, it it's just re, it's just really dark, and I forgot I forgot how dark it was. Like even even the first the first scene where it's got the where it's describing the, the you know the the time and what's happened. They say it's a time of dread. You you never get that in kids' films. It's like ooh, dread, and like you know, like the 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 dogs as well. How they're how they're they're made to be like you know 
the, the, the snarling beasts and you know the the castle and the, the Bavmorda, the queen house, how she's you know she's she's can, you know can I say one, sorry Ev, can I say one no, thing? Um I get where you're coming from, but I don't know what you two were like, but when I was a kid, it wasn't so much the details that I would be watching for. It's more the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I would say Willow, even though the subject matter, you could argue, it, it, it is dark. You're talking about the slaying of a child, a baby. But I wouldn't say the atmosphere itself is depressing or dark. No. And I think that's why it gets away with a PG rather than maybe a 12 or... Yeah, it, it, but it's funny. It's funny you say that though, because because it was a PG when it came out. But then when I when I watched it on um, on Disney Plus, that's got it as twelve plus. Right. So it's changed. It's, it's changed the certificate now, and it's done. You know, like a lot of films we've we, we've covered over the over the podcast, which was originally PGs, they've had their certification changed on over what streamer platform that that we've seen them. You know. So you, how old are your girls? Six and nine, right? So you wouldn't show this film to either of them. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my eldest, but I, I don't know about the youngest. Right. Although, okay. Yeah. No. Although, no. I, although, I get although, it. Like I think although, I do think six might be too young, but nine years old. Like, and I think yeah. I was about eight or nine when I watched this. So, I mean, I am hard, like hard as nails. Well, 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 to be honest, to be honest, my youngest loved Jurassic World, especially when like there was blood on the trees. So, you t- and that is <laughs> that, that is way more violent and worse than this film. Because uh, I was going to ask a question. Yeah, did you see this as a kids' film? And I don't, but I see it as a family film. And yeah, there, there's family. a big difference there because you've got slightly older children watching it with an adult who can potentially explain some elements of it. And you're 100% right, Deb. The, the, the subject matter of killing babies <laughs> is dark. Yeah. And um, I'll come on to the special effects a little bit later, but, you know, the the, um, the, the sorcery and the things like that, especially towards the end of the, um, the film, mm. again, is, is a little bit scary. You know, mm. and you, you see the, the evil queen and... She, and I don't know if I got this right, but she definitely looked older and worse as the film went on. Yeah, yeah what what was happening was the ceremony, as it were, that she was performing on the child was was taking its toll on her. Ah, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I put it a little bit like the Emperor in um, um, Star Wars. So, or, <laughs> All or of a she... sudden, he's Palpatine and he looks fine, and then the next thing, he's just like old, haggard. Yeah, she she has very um, Mumra the Ever Living vibes from her from her costume and stuff like that. Would you class this as the same level as Return to Oz, in the sense of um, not enjoyment or anything like that? But would you class it as the same genre as Return to Oz? I I would. I think it's it's dark fantasy. I've never seen it. We've got to do that soon. Just, just for Ev. Bombshell. Yeah, no, I've never seen it. I'm going. I'm going to go out on a limb right here. I prefer Return to Oz to Wizard of Oz. I would much rather watch Return to Oz. 
I, I can't even compare them as films, right? Because they're, oh, I know. they're, they're, they're totally different genres. I'm going to put it that, that well, way. Well, yeah, and Wizard of Oz is shit, isn't it? <laughs> well, I quite like a little bit of Wizard of Oz, but it's... Oh, uh, no, I love Wizard of Oz. I love it. That was a joke, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just very different. And so we're doing that soon, just forever. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, you've mentioned that before, so we've got to do it now. I get what you're saying, though. I... Do, I now you said it, I do see it as like a companion piece almost. And not just because is it is it Jean Marsh? She plays yes. Bab Queen Badmoda and she plays yeah. uh what's the woman's name in Return to Oz? Mamra. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mamra, I know. Oh, it's Mombi. Mombi, that's Mombi. it. Mombi. But in my yeah. head, it, yeah, it's Mamra. Yeah. All right, let's move on to um favorite aspect. Now I'm gonna start because I never start, Brilliant. and it's um Warwick Davis. You know, I, I think he's 17 year old, um, young actor. He he he, hold, he holds a lot of the film on his own. Um, yes, um, Val Kilmer is Bad Mordigan. Is that a, is that his name? Mad 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 Mordigan. Sorry, yeah. Mad um, Mordigan. That's that's the one. Yeah, you you. I'm glad you were here. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I think he's brilliant in it. He um, and it's funny because um, George Lucas came up with the idea or mentioned the idea of him playing this role to to Davis's mum during one of the Ewok Christmas specials in 1983. So um, I I love the fact that um, yeah, they were talking about it then. You know, mm. five years prior to that. But um, I'm not even going to say much more than that. I. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys got anything to add, but I think yeah, he does it very well. Well, I, I agree that for the most part he carries the film and he's the the emotional centre of the film as well. Like you think about the journey he goes on. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now, right? I was gonna say about the while I was watching it, I was thinking about Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Um, and because of Warwick Davis, I was more emotionally vested in this film than I was in any of the Lord of the Rings films. In what way? <laughs> because his acting was more connecting to you? or Yeah, I just believed in his performance more. I, I don't know whether that's got something to do with the fact that Lord of the Rings is such a CGI heavy film um but i don't know i i think because i've grown up with warwick davis as well you know he's 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 always in the star wars films i i i watched this a lot when i was growing up you know he was in that uh, comedy series with ricky gervais and Stephen merchant uh life's too short i think it was called was it yeah 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 so he's I don't know. There's something about Warwick Davis as a screen screen presence. He's he's. I find him very likable. Not maybe not likable is the word, but I find him very sort of. I'm I'm pulling for him when I watch him in a film. Hmm. Um, and and definitely in this film, I, I'm going to say you now. I I had a bit of a tear in my eye at the end of the film when he got back to his family, because that's all you want him to do, isn't it? You want him to look after the hmm. kid, but you want him to get back home. Yeah. And that's more than I ever felt during Lord of the Rings. I could not give two shiny shites about any of those hobbits. It's funny that you say around the similarities. 
it's only now that I'm getting that because obviously he has to go on a quest. The quest mm. is to take this baby somewhere. In Lord of the Rings is to take a ring, and then it's to get back to his family, which you you see at the end. I sort of got that from from certain scenes when the, almost as if they're mini fellowship when the, when they're going over the bridge and bridge and stuff like that before they get to the crossroads of certain scenes and the music is very very fellowshipy and also um, when they've got when they're having the shots of uh, of Nokmar, I think it is the the castle and stuff like that is that's almost a carbon copy you know the black gate in Mordor is almost a carbon copy of that. If you see the scene where where Frodo and Sam are, are, are with Gollum outside, and um, it is almost like carbon copy. Come on, then. What, what's your favourite aspect? Prog, do you want to go first? Well, I'll go, I'll jump off the back of you with um, it's it's the it's, it's the buddy partnership between Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer's characters. I love Mad Martigan. I do. I, I love Val Kilmer's Mad Martigan, but watching it this time, I realised how good they are at playing off each other. Like yeah. Will Willow is straight down the line. We've got to get this done, and then Mad Martigan is just doing his thing at the side. Yeah, just just survive. I I love the reversal of the sidekick role because obviously in a normal film like George Lucas wanted this to be a film for uh, people like Warwick Davis and such. Um, but I like the reversal that Val Kilmer is almost the sidekick. Exactly what you said, that um, Willow is the straight-up um, sort of lead within the film. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's great. Do you know the film was originally going to be called Munchkins? I'm glad it was. <laughs> yeah, no. that's so much better. Nell Wynn is the term they use for quote-unquote people with dwarfism. Yeah, so Nell Wynn is the breed of of people in the film. So I wouldn't mm. mind it called Nell Wynn's, perhaps, because that's mm. a, a name they made up, I would imagine. Also, well, they, at, the, they, at the time, this was the large in, largest call, um, casting call for little people, and I believe that, that term is correct to use. Yeah. Um, because they had something like up to 240 actors hired for, for the role. And, um, Can I just say now, though, yeah. some of those uh, actors are awesome. <laughs> the guy who plays Burgle Cat <laughs> is so funny. Which one's so, Burgle Cat? Burgle Cat's the old grouchy bugger that gets shat on by a bird twice. The ball, yeah. With the bald head? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's class. <laughs> that, that, that scene just typifies it. Where it's like, Vonka, you have to stay. It's like, no, Burgle Cut, you're going. Vonka! Yeah, that's on. one of my favourite scenes. That's, I love that bit. You know the guy... Vonka! Yeah, you know that guy, that, like, extra, um, that guy who's a supposed brilliant um, fighter or whatever. Mm. I recognise him. So what else has he been in? There's, we're going to have to look that up. Well, one of his... Um, uh, one of his fellow warriors is um, uh, the guy in Bad Santa. Uh, oh, I don't, yes. I don't know. I, yes. Yeah, I, I think his name's Tony Cox. Yeah, his name's Tony Cox. He's in Bad Santa and me, myself, and Irene and, and that. All right, then, Ev, what's your favourite aspect? 
same as Prague. Uh, the the chemistry between Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis is is gold, especially especially um, in the scene where they just reached the crossroads and they and they're argue, they're arguing uh, amongst each other and 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 even like even Val Kilmer where he, where he's getting really irate and just childish, going peck 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 peck, and then and then all, and then all of a sudden he just goes. Give me some water, please. I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take care of the baby. Give me some water, please. please. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it, they play off each other so well. I think it's it, yeah, it's just brilliant to be fair. We're not the favourite scene. Ev, go on, you can go first on this one. I'd probably say the crossroads scene for me, because it because it, it's just the, the the dialogue between like I said, between Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis. But the it's just little little points in the film where where they get separated and then and then they they see each other again like like when uh, when he when willow goes into the into the bar or the tavern and he, he he stumbles into the bedroom and um and obviously he sees he sees Val Kilmer dressed up dressed up as a woman but yeah it's just, it's just just yeah the the little i don't know the little sort of conversations they have it's like what are you doing here it's like oh you're up here you know um yeah, it's just really good. <laughs> it is good. Um, I, I like that crossroads scene as well. And it, it was a toss-up between that and the bar scene. Exactly what you've just said. Yeah. Where um because going back to what we said about Davis being the lead character and Kilmer being the sidekick as such, it's not expected and I he does sort of play, it's a Kilmer now, the, the bumbling fool at times, but at the same time, he's this amazing warrior, which you know you don't see until a little bit later in the film. Um, mm. I also did think, do you know the guy, and I'm trying to think of his name, um, oh, he, he's the guy that talks to Mad Morgan at the crossroads. Oh, Eric, oh, Eric. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was Peck from yeah. Ghostbusters, but it's not. I, Very I similar. Thought it, I, I thought it was yeah. him putting on a voice. William Atherton, I think his name is. Yeah. But no, all right. Uh, just a note of uh, change there. It's not Eric. It's Eric. Oh, okay. It's spelt A I R K. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so um. Yeah, my favorite scene mirrors sort of Evans' two sort of picks there or two mentions. Prague, where about yourself? I'll go for something different. I'm going to say the uh, when they're making a stand at Terrace Lean, and you okay. get to see Mad, Mad Martigan in uh, in all his glory, <laughs> and it's where uh, Sorsha, played by Joanne Wally, starts uh, falling for him in um, real life too. Yeah, I was going to say they, they got married in real life, didn't they? Yep. Mm. Not together now, but um... yeah. <sighs> I might mention this a little bit later in my changes, but you find that just a little bit unbelievable. I know we're talking about a fantasy film here, right? But um, yeah, I, I don't. Battle, I don't. She th- just kisses him. Yeah, I. I don't think you don't get the impression early on that Sorsha is waning from being on it on the side of her mother. The only. The only sort of hint there is, is that is the one aide to the Queen says, I've read, uh, mm. you know, I've seen the future and, and your daughter will betray you. That's the only thing. I would have liked to have had a bit more sort of, not exposition, but 
a bit more written into her character to, so that she can act in a way that makes you believe she might want to ch change sides. I mean, don't get me wrong. At the end, she says, I, I'm not going to let you kill this child. And in fairness, that should be enough for anyone. But in terms of the film and her relationship with Mad Martigan, I would have liked a little bit more. Maybe it's, a, it's, it's sort of a couple of things that... That she's that she's been she's been put down so much by her mother and she'll never be be accepted by her as such. Then you know she finally realizes that what she's doing isn't good anyway. Or yeah, plus, we that, have we have to draw those conclusions for ourselves, don't we? Yeah, and I, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah, I mean when you watch any film, uh, off more often than not, you will have to connect the dots in some way on on some some aspect of it of the plot mm. but i would just in terms of her character i would have liked a little bit more yeah well maybe maybe it's the case of that she hasn't no one's loved her until val kilmer came along yeah that's entirely possible okay. again though no, you're connecting yeah. dots I, what I'm trying to get at is I think there should have been something written into the film to see that. Yeah, yeah. Before we move on to changes, two things I want to mention. Um, I love the baby's expression because that baby barely cries throughout until the very end. And every time they pan onto it, it's always pulling like a little face. Um, and <laughs> fair play, it's quite a cute little baby. Yeah. Well, um, how, much hair, how much hair does that baby have? Well... <laughs> on, on, honestly. Oh, so. And, and it's not that old. I think we got a situation here, right? A little bit like our twin scenario, where when Arnie was born, he, he looked like four months old. Similar with this baby. <laughs> it's um, it's like days old, and it's yeah, yeah. It's like but looking you, around, and but you don't know how long the the woman, the the handmaiden, had been travelling with her. Ah, uh, yeah, fair point. Mm. Fair. And you I, don't I'll, know I'll give you that. Blood, yeah. So. <laughs> um, my second point then um, George Lucas loves Pat Roach God doesn't he because oh, yeah. Yeah, he's in this and he's in all three Indiana Joneses mm. or the, you know, the first first three anyway but yeah he, he, he must have made a bomb out of Lucas in the, in the early days Pat Roach <laughs> yeah. well, I'd be surprised if he wasn't in any other films for him well, he's also in Red Sonja and Conan the Destroyer, but they aren't obviously Lucas films. His sort of get-up's quite, quite sinister as well with his mask, like the the metal the bits on the skull and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although he um yeah, it takes bloody ages to die. Um, right, okay, let's move on to changes. Prague, do you want to go first? Well, I've got a few questions, so I don't know if you guys want to go first, and then I can go on. Then Ev, you go first. Um, um the. The scene with the when when Willow is in the bar and he and he catches up with Mad Martigan again. Lug, the husband. <laughs> on on as soon as he comes in, his wife explains that like it's her sister or something, is it? Or her cousin or, or, I think or a cousin. cousin or something. Yeah. And immediately he starts like feeling her up <laughs> in front of his wife. Honestly, ah. Oh. It's a different yeah, but I think, nervous. Yeah, and also I think his wife works there, quote unquote, in inverted uh, commas, works yeah. there. 
So I'm, no. I'm, not, I'm not too sure about what kind of relationship they have. Yeah, but, it's, but I don't know. Naughty boy, Lug. Oh, yeah, he's definitely questionable, of questionable character. <laughs> um, yeah, and no, I think it's, I'd, it would have been, I think it would have been good to, to give the brownies a little bit more sort of edgy humour sort of thing. I know, I know it wasn't the, it wasn't the done thing in the 80s, but like, say if you, say if you were to remake that film now, they'd have the, the, the two brownies that go, that go off of them, they um they probably have have a lot more sort of a lot more dialogue and a lot more, you know, risky humor. I suppose. I'm going to say this now: the brownies are one level below below annoying as Jar Jar Biggs. They, they don't do it for me either. I don't know why they're there. Can you know right? It's something about George Lucas having annoying double acts in films. The only time he's ever been able to get away with it is R2-D2 and C-3PO, but even they, after a time, are bloody annoying. With all their beeps and whistles. I do, I, yeah. I, I do see where you're coming from. And, and, I, and I agree to a certain extent. That's why I say if they, if they had better dialogue, it, would have been, it obviously would have been better. Yeah. I, just cause, would, cause I, I wouldn't have made them jokey. I would have made them... You already got Mad Mardigan in there for the for the for the comedy, yeah. I, and I, I don't get me wrong. I get what George Lucas is trying to do in this film and his other films. You know, he's playing mm. to the child audience, yeah. But I, I just don't like them. I I would have made them straight characters, serious characters. I wouldn't have mm. had them be in this, you know, dull double act who just bump into each other. It's yeah, but one of one of them fell flat with for me. Yeah, one of them is played by Kevin Pollock, who was a, who was a big comedy actor at, at the time. You know, well, that's it. See, I see Kevin Pollock, and I think just give him a normal role. He can bring comedy. He can bring a lightness and stuff to a normal role. You don't have to yeah. force comedy into it for someone like him. Mm. Sorry, but one. Any more? No, no, no. That was it. Just the two. Um, so my changes, and some of them, I don't know, we, we, we'll see what you think now. But a lot of the special effects are dated. Again, we're talking about a film which is 32, 1, 33 years old. So, hey, I, again, we, we've said this on the podcast. I'm willing to overlook some of that. But some of the fighting scenes, I think, are quite poor. They are dated as well. Nick. Oh, very, very dated. And we're seeing this quite a bit, I think, in some of these films that we're doing. They're just really poorly done. Um, so I, I don't particularly like that. You know, the end scenes, um, you know, that, that battle at the end um, where they meet the two-headed monster. Well, it's not at the end, but it's before the end. Mm. You get what I mean? Um, yeah, it's just all a bit dated and it's, it just looked like there was ten people there. It, it didn't have a grand scale that, that I thought it should have had. But I, I, I don't mind that. It's, it's, it's not a, an issue. And, and that's probably all I'd say. Anyway, the film is enjoyable. Special effects are a bit sketchy at points, but that's fine. Go on, in Prague. What questions have you got? Okay, just a couple of points first. 
Eric's death isn't great. And I mean him, I mean him actually acting oh, yeah. dying. It's a bit hammy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's not as bad as uh, Marion Cootyard in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, but it, you know, it's on the scale. I half uh, expected him to come back to life to sort of say something else and then die again. Like a proper Monty Python-esque sketch. Yeah. I don't know why, but I had a bit of a problem with the sled run. After after about 10 seconds, that just got ridiculous for me. I was just like, where's all these caverns coming from? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, because initially I was like, that's cool. That's how they got away. But then after a time, I was just like, all right, this needs to end now. This is just, you know, where they, they've gone on the other side of the continent, by the look of it. Um, what else have I got? Why do the Acons turn something into stone when they're thrown, but not when they're held. Maybe it's to do with something of impact. So it's it's the force of... So you better, you better not... When you're picking them up, then, don't grab them too tight, yeah? Or fall over with them in your pocket. Yeah. Um, on the acorns, so it really bugged me. They only He's given three acorns, but you only ever see two. One of them he drops, and the other one then he throws at the queen. So, but so a bit of research later, there is a deleted scene with the second acorn. Um, um, where's he used the second acorn? I don't really know. All I know is that there's a there's a deleted scene. I was because when I watched it again this time, I, I I swore that yes, he dropped an acorn, but he also used another acorn on on one of the uh, animals. It's not an animal. Maybe you've, seen, maybe you've seen a version with that scene in then. Yeah, possibly. They're, possibly. they're a little bit shit, though, aren't they? He gives him three acorns, which turn people things into stone. I would have been yeah. like, oh, give me a bag of these, Beth. Yeah. Can I have a, can I have a <laughs> fucking sword, please? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bloody Nelwyn. I'm, you know, you want me to take on uh, full-grown men with uh, mm. three acorns <laughs> carrying a baby? Just think Frodo got a sword and you're just giving me plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Frodo also had the ring. He could disappear any time. Oh, uh, the other the other thing I would have changed as well is Willow says he loves the baby in the council meeting. Yeah, I know, and I'm just I would just I I would have liked it if the, the the council elder said, "Do you care for the baby? Do you love her?" I would have liked it if he just said, "Do you care for the baby?" And he says, "Yes, I do." I would have that's that would have been fine with me saying you love that after like twelve hours or something. That is a bit. Bit of a stretch, isn't it? Um, so here's my questions, and this is something I think we can delve into a little bit. Here. Does the baby actually have or will have powers and abilities, or is she and the so called prophecy just the starting point for a revolution? Well, like John Connor. In a way, yes. So what I'm saying is the baby is only significant insofar insofar as there's a prophecy told about a baby. So it's like the butterfly effect, yeah? So if the queen hadn't been told about this mad this baby, would the baby still have would the baby have grown up to have powers to dethrone the queen? Or is just the story of a baby what then starts the revolution? Going quite deep here, Frog. 
Uh, well, it's something <laughs> I thought about doing. Um, I assumed that the baby would have some powers. Mm, yeah. Because I okay. quite like the idea that they never fully explain that and not that many people might have thought about it, but it's left your own interpretation. Because when you think about it, it's actually Willow, Mad Martigan, Saoirse, and is it Chilindria? No, not no, Chilindria. Thin, thin Rizal. Yeah, and and uh, and it's it's those that bring down the Queen. It's not the baby. Yeah, maybe the the baby is seen as, like you said, the start. The, the, yeah, like the, the thing that ignites the revolution. Yeah. I've got a question, right? Do you know the the lady, the, the sorcerer, the good sorcerer? What's her name? Oh, Finn Rizal. Yeah, Finn Rizal, right? Um, she is... She, uh, Willow is told of her existence by the the lady in the forest. What's her name? Yeah, Chil- Chilindria. Yeah. Why hasn't anyone tried to get Finrazel freed prior to this, then? I think it's part of the prophecy. All oh, right. Yeah, the guardian of the baby is supposed to uh, take the wand and do the yeah. chant and transform Finrazel into her human form. I think that's just a lot of mumbo-jumbo. Well, that was my other sticking point. I'm not a big fan of the fairy queen. No? No, I just... Like the the only reason she's is to give this one to Willow, that coins that coincides with the brownies. There's very big Lord of the Rings vibes here. Like like if you're taking Chalindria with Galadriel, mm. you know, giving giving Willow or, or Frodo, you know, whatever. Um, Finrazel, Gandalf in yeah. female form. Well, Mad Mardigan is uh... Aragorn, yeah. Yeah, Aragorn, yeah. Samwise Ganji. Well, Migos. Migos, Migos Samwise, and Samwise, he just, he just yeah. buggered off, didn't he? He just didn't yeah. stick with him to the end. <laughs> yeah. He's the exact opposite. For a Samwise, yeah. you couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> I'm glad you're with me, Sam. How many times do you hear that in Lord of the Rings? <laughs> All right, come on. Let's wrap this up. Would you recommend it, Ev? I don't know. I, I'm, I've been I've been kind to say no, to be honest. Um, Why? Justify yourself. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. It's it's one of the, it's it's one of those films where it's it's not it's too long, and it's not as good as I remember it. But obviously, I'm watching it as an adult now, rather than rather than a kid. So, did you watch yeah. it with any of the kids? No. Right. Do you think either yeah. of them would enjoy it? Um, possibly. I mean, they love they love Labyrinth. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They loved Labyrinth. Yet you said you wouldn't recommend it. Ah, <laughs> oh, get well, off this I, podcast. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I said I wouldn't recommend Labyrinth either. So it's you know. No, that's what I'm saying. You know, they yeah. loved Labyrinth, but you wouldn't recommend yeah. the film, even though you girls loved it. Yeah, uh, shocking, shocking. Um. I would recommend, um, only because, yeah, I was pleasantly entertained. Let's put it that way. Is it going to blow your mind being this amazing film? No. It's, like Ev says, it's probably a little bit too long. There's 
bits of it that are dated. But, and I often say this, as a Sunday afternoon family film, I would happily sit down with my kids when they're a little bit older and they can understand it and watch it. Hmm. Not much more to say on it than that. No. I agree with everything you've just said, Andrew. Not you, Evan. It's always us against Evan, isn't it? I know, yeah. Banging up on him. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the Neville Longbottom of the, the podcast. <laughs> it's always me. Right, yeah, we're definitely wrapping that up there. Um, anyway, if you like the podcast, please check out the other episodes. Um, check us out on social media. Look for us on YouTube. Our new episodes come out every Wednesday. Uh, thank you all. <laughs>